You are listening to the Golden Voice Podcast, and I am your host, Jarvis Smith. And I got to say right now, thank you. Yes, you. Thank you so much for clicking on that play button and just giving me a little bit of your time to be able to speak to you and go ahead and share this project that I've been working on for quite some time. Because personally, it's been a long journey to get here to speak to you, and I'm so excited to do it. And if you wanna know more about that journey, I strongly recommend that you just check out our trailer episode, okay? Because I wanna jump right into our special guests that we have to kick off our podcast. And let me set this up for you, all right? Because this week's special guests are part of a band that I've been trying to see live since Coachella 2014. But at the time, I was working in the box office, holding it down, slaying lines. But unfortunately, I couldn't get over there to see them on that Coachella stage. But I know they killed it because I could hear them from afar. Again, they're part of a band I was trying to see live at Camp Flognaw 2016. Big shout out to Tyler, the creator, and his team for creating an amazing festival. But there was a medical emergency, and they didn't get to play, unfortunately. But the band, they're doing much better now, all right? They are part of a band whose second album sits behind my background on every single Zoom and Microsoft Teams meeting. This isn't a plug for either one of those companies. It's just the truth. They're a band that just released an amazing new album called Texas, and they kicked off their tour in the state of Texas at the time of this episode being released. If you don't know who I'm talking about, it's Derek Miller and Alexis Krauss of Slay Bells. And I spoke with them back in August of this year and listened to them share about how they felt about the progression of their band over the last 10 years, insights about their discography, what they hope fans take away from their latest album, Texas, and so much more. Now I'm going to follow up with you in the outro, but let's go ahead and get this interview kicked off right now. Derek, Alexis, how are y'all feeling? We're doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man. All good over here. Thank you very much, Jarvis. Yes. I mean, I'm so excited for this conversation. And, you know, when I think about this band, you know, I want to take a, a more of a macro view of y'all real quick. And and it's been over a decade that y'all have been together, you know, that y'all have been creating music and just been out there and being active. And I'm just kind of curious to know, you know, thinking about your growth, what does it mean for y'all now to still create music at this point in your lives and your careers? You would have to kill me to get me to stop. It doesn't even feel like we're pushing through or like, persevering it's just something that feels naturally occurring which is strange because it is a lot of work to do a band um i mean professionally i mean touring the whole bit but yeah it just feels as natural as breathing and, and i like that and like with the like the creative process and i hope this doesn't sound pretentious or whatever but like it's kind of for me just woven throughout my day like you're always working if you're an artist or a songwriter it never really stops like you're in the grocery store buying cauliflower but you're running a lyric around in your head and trying to chase down a better way to word it. Um, so Slay Bells is, of course, you know, the center of the universe for me in terms of the creative process. It all goes into Slay Bells. So, yeah, it just feels like breathing to me, like the most natural thing in the world to wake up, work on some music. And my next thought is always going to be if it feels like something interesting is happening, like I got to get this to Alexis. And it's felt that way since day one. I mean, we met on July 10th of 2008 and it's 2021. And whenever I feel like I have anything worthwhile going on with a track, my first thought is always like, oh God, I wonder what Alexis would do with this. Like, what would she sound like? So yeah, it's kind of, it's in a weird way, it's indistinguishable from life for me. They're just one and the same. Yeah. Um, it's a tremendous privilege, you know, 
as Derek mentioned, it's been almost 13 years, and that is not something I take lightly. I mean, one, to be able to maintain a relationship with somebody, to still like them, to still trust them, and to still want to make music with them after more than a decade is a feat in and of itself, but also just to still have the ability um, to do that, to have the team, to have the fans, and to have the desire to do it. Um, yeah, it's it's a tremendous privilege. I mean, you know, making a living as an artist isn't easy. And so we recognize we're super fortunate. I mean, we're, you know, a relatively small band, but that being said, like we can, you know, pay our bills largely because of sleigh bells. And, and that's huge. You know, we have a lot of friends who are artists and musicians and, and um, you know, it's it's a lot of juggling that goes into it. So the fact that we can we can do this and and still have people care about our music that that is the part that definitely kind of continuously blows me away. I mean, you know, we live in a culture where things are changing so rapidly, and the ways in which people consume music and technology is so different than when we started a decade ago. So the fact that like people still show up to our shows, especially the folks who have seen us multiple times, is is very encouraging and and pretty amazing. I want to take a step back now just a little bit and just go back in time just a little bit for y'all. And if, if both of y'all could share from your own experiences, maybe a childhood memory that, that y'all have that really made you want to get into making music now. Um, and I want to start with you, Alexis. What was that childhood memory that like, man, I, I, want, to, I want to do music. I want to be like this artist or, or make music like this album. Was that a moment like that for you? Um, so my dad's a musician. And for me, I just grew up with music. I mean, my mom would always say like, oh, you know, you would sing in your crib and your dad dad would listen and he'd be like, oh, she's singing on key, you know? So I just, I grew up um, with a, a musical family and I started performing at a really young age with my dad. So I would go out um, and play, or I wouldn't really play gigs with him. I would like jump on stage for a song while he was working his ass off at a bar. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, <laughs> weirdly enough, I think the first song that I like regularly sang with my dad was, um, was Can't Help Falling in Love with You by Elvis that like I think most people know it as like Fool's Russian or Wise Men Say, which is like such a strange song for a, a child to be obsessed with. But um but yeah, I would sing that song with him and and yeah, it was really through my dad. I mean he was just a and still is like such an avid listener and learner of music. And I grew up I think a lot like Derek listening to a lot of oldies, a lot of Motown um, my dad is a huge lover of the blues and R&B and, and a lot of Beatles and Stones. And um, yeah, so I just, I grew up on that. And then I think like the, you know, the first way I personally connected with like performing music was through theater. Um, but then I got involved in, in playing in a band when I was pretty young. So it definitely happened at a really young age. And so I've never really had a time in my life when I didn't think about singing or performing or being in a band as strange as strange as that sounds amazing yeah i mean uh i did check in on your um instagram from time to time i think i remember you posting up something about your former group that you had at ruby blue from yeah. back in the day back in the day yeah yep. yeah so it's just like just to hear that story though that that's that's really amazing to to, to hear and, and derek now for for you your background i'm kind of curious what was that moment in your life as well being in fourth and fifth grade and that's when like being obsessed with songs kind of started with me and it was like Belinda Carlisle Heaven is a Place on Earth is one of the first songs I remember just being like kind of almost hypnotized by it was like beyond obsession it would just put me in the 
like a trance state. I was obsessed with it and still am. Um, but at that time, there was like George Michael Faith came out, Rhythm Nation, um, The Immaculate Collection. My mom loved all of those records. So, you know, we'd listen to that stuff um, on cassette in the car driving through Florida traffic. And that's definitely in my DNA. But the moment when I was like, I'm going to start a band and nothing on the planet's going to stop me. Um, I was 14 years old and I'd gotten a guitar at 11. So by 14, I knew how to play it. And I was kind of writing and was thinking about starting a band. But I saw Deftones. And I've told this story a bunch of times and I love telling it. I'll tell it till the day I die. Um, I saw Deftones when I was 14 in 1996 on the Adrenaline Tour. And that record had been out for a little bit. They were my favorite band in the world. And they came through West Palm. And I saw them at like a little, like a strip mall venue. There wasn't even a stage. And I just stood right in front of them with like a handful of people and they just tore the roof off the place. Um, and like afterwards, like they ran out, like into the quote backstage, which, which was just the exit door into the alley where their bus was parked. And the second they finished and ran out that door, I turned to my buddy and I was like, yo, follow me and chased him out the door. And I had my Sharpie and a pocket full of, you know, flyers and like ticket stub, of course. And I just remember riding home after that show. And that was it for me. Like I did a bunch of other stuff still. I surfed, I skated. Um, I kind of grew up really loving cartooning and illustration. And I was kind of messing with that. And after that show, everything else fell away. And I mean everything. And it was like a singular focus. I started my first band, then my second when I was 15. And when I was 16, I joined my first quote real band, Poison the Well. Um, but yeah, if that was ground zero for me where I was like, it was just the most incredible thing I'd ever experienced up to that point in my life. Um, and they know this story as well. Like <laughs> I saw Chino, like we hung out in 2018 and I was like, yo, do you remember that show? He's like, I remember that show. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's crazy, man. That was, that was it for me. That was that moment. So now I want to talk more about y'all getting together now, right? We know the famous story about how y'all got together, about meeting one another at a restaurant. Alexis, your mom introduces, you know, yourself uh, to over to Derek as Derek is uh, serving y'all at this restaurant. And, you, you know, you kind of go from there. You guys exchange some emails, correct? But I'm kind of curious to know from, from that moment, when you guys are officially coming together with this idea um, that, if I'm correct, Derek, that it is initially that you had for the group of Sleigh Bells and how you describe the project being like Hollaback Girl with a metal guitar uh, yeah. riffs. Okay, so coming together now and coming together for these first demos, before you get the treats, do you remember what those first demos were like when y'all were creating music together? Yeah, Alexis, we had like a really early version of what became To Hell With You. Do you remember that? That didn't I make still, it on yeah. treats. Um, we had that. We had Infinity Guitars. Real Real was early on. Um yeah, those were like the earliest tracks. And I, I remember tracking vocals for Infinity Guitars. We were at our now manager, Will's apartment, who's been like my best friend since we were little kids. And I remember we had to turn the AC off. Um, she, we were using the internal mic of a MacBook, but it was, you know, it was July, so it was sweltering. And just like you screaming into the MacBook, Alexis, doing the vocals for Infinity Guitars. And I remember listening to the playback. And we went to dinner afterwards and it was a surreal moment because it was very unlikely that I was going to pull off my plan, which was to move to Brooklyn, find a place to live, find a job, find a singer. And I, it happened and it still makes me like giddy and like euphoric even now thinking about it. I remember that moment like it was, you know, excuse the cliche, but like it was yesterday. 
I don't know if I answered the questions. No, well. no, no. This is still good. I like, <laughs> I like, I like this. I like that a lot, though. I love it. And, and Alexis, I'm curious to know too for you linking up with Derek, working on these earlier demos, and just kind of coming into this band. Um, uh, I remember you did an interview with uh, this one amazing YouTube channel, Kids Interview Bands. You talked about how you were a very good student in school and stuff like that, and you know, and everything like that. So I'm just kind of curious to know with your upcoming and stuff like that, and entry into music and everything like that. Was this type of music? that you were like you know like gravitate towards a lot like this more of a aggressive type of music was this something like yeah this is something that i want to do um uh, as far as just like the sound of like this or was this as you were getting more into it like you kind of grew into what this sound was yeah no i mean i grew up especially in high school i listened to a lot of a lot of heavier music and mostly saw heavier bands live and i was involved in this like put together teen pop project which I always say like there was a lot of talent there and a lot of creativity but it definitely wasn't music that I was like rushing home to like play to my friends you know I wasn't like oh check it out like we like played you know like we would play shows that would like that like the Disney channel would like come to and we would tour with like boy bands and shit and I would like come home and like listen to bad brains and so it was not uh it was not music I was like necessarily proud of in hindsight I am but um so yeah, I mean, I listened to a lot of heavier music. So the kind of combination of of sweeter, more melodic vocals with aggressive instrumentation was not something that felt foreign to me. Um, that being said, at that point in my life, I know it sounds weird, but I was like already kind of burned out on music. Like I didn't have, in the way that like Derek's experience was, you know, for lack of a better word, like more authentic and that it was just like they were doing it. Like I was definitely, um, I don't want to say a victim because people had it a lot worse than me, but like, I was definitely part of that sort of like put together pop world, uh, that was really kind of gross for lack of a better word. Um, so I was not particularly interested in being in a band again. Um, and so when Derek and I met, I mean, I was not drawn to the idea of being in a band. I was drawn to Derek and I was drawn to the music and I was drawn to like, the fact that it was unlike anything I had heard. And at that point in my life, I was teaching and I was really dedicated to education and working with kids. So like the fact that that kind of, that the music is responsible for like pulling me kind of out of that space and getting me into a space where I could actually consider being back involved with music full time. And yeah, and that has to do with, you know, the music just being really exciting to me and Derek being just like a really great, person um that I was able to connect with pretty immediately so yeah it was uh it, it felt it felt like a really good fit from the beginning coming off those demos after y'all come together and work together for for to create these initial songs and now you begin to produce this album is going to be called treats um was that always like the name of the album going into it as you're creating the record was that like just like yeah we know this is gonna be called treats and it's gonna be this combination of this softer sweeter or you know or type of sound but with these heavy riffs it's like and it's gonna be like this type of party vibe was that already the idea or was it just like we're gonna throw something to the wall and we're gonna see what sticks and we'll roll with based on the, the inspirations and influences that we have it's just a reflection of the things i was obsessed with you know like around 2003 or 4 2004 i quit the hardcore band i was in because i love those guys to death still do to this day they're my they're family to me the poison well dudes i was just kind of burned out on the hardcore scene i'd been in it for a long time and you know i i was listening to like 
great records that everybody else was listening to. I was listening to Bjork and Radiohead and whoever else. And I still really loved like, you know, the new metal stuff that I like grew up on when I was a kid. And I still love, like I mentioned, obviously Deftones and Korn. Um, and then in 2004, um, I kind of, that was actually, I think the first time I remember hearing about the Neptunes, I had already heard like Slave for You and Justified had been out for a minute, but I bought those records and like, I love you on Justified just blew my mind. Um, and that's Pharrell on drums. And I've talked about this before. Like I was blown away at how much attitude was there. And like, to me, like all these hardcore bands with like, you know, like screaming their heads off and playing as loud and as fast as we could, like paled in comparison in terms of like the toughness and the attitude and not in a macho way. There was so much more confidence and tension in these, in these pop records that like Pharrell and Chad were making. I call them like, like on first name basis. I don't know those dudes, but that the Neptunes were making, like um, it blew my mind. So that really kind of reinvigorated my love for pop music, uh, which, you know, I had had from being a kid. Um, with, you know, driving around with my mom. So really, Sleigh Bells is just the, the merging of those two worlds. And I, I wasn't like, it was just what I loved. You know, it made sense to marry those things. It's going to like, you know, the stuff that comes out of the speakers is going to be a reflection of your obsessions. You know, the things that you put in there and the things that you leave out. It's always going to speak volumes. Um, so it felt like the most familiar music in the world to me. Like I've been hearing it in my head. I was like, nobody has this sound yet. And then when I was finally started learning how to use all this new gear, um, I was able to start making it. And like, I just remember listening to Infinity Guitars and like, and then eventually like tell them and the other stuff. And I just couldn't believe it. it's like, when you feel like something has existed all along, but it hasn't, it's like, it, it was really fresh to me. Um, and then as far as like the title's concerned, I always showed up at the studio with a big bag of like Haribo, Haribo sour gummy shit and like a bunch of candy and I would dump it out um at the studio and be like treats like I brought all this shit for us to snack on while you know because it kind of keeps you calm the studio you know a lot of patience is necessary and I would just like yeah eat a bunch of candy all day and get like all these crazy sugar highs and yeah make music Amazing. Yes, yes. Okay. All right. I like that. And it's so awesome that you talk about the Neptunes and Pharrell and and, and, and Chad. Um, we had an interview with uh, for, for our podcast with Jameson, and he talked about the same sentiment of just really being big into Neptunes and Pharrell having a big influence. So it's amazing to hear you say that same thing uh, as well. You guys are kind of almost sharing the same story there just a little bit um, because it's just so influential. But just to think about the style of music that y'all make, I, I wouldn't have known, known that until I've read a couple stories, even their most recent when y'all did with Rolling Stone talking about the 10 year anniversary or of the album and just you sharing shedding light on that. And I think that's 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 so amazing to see, you know, someone with a hardcore background like yourself to kind of pull from those other types of inspirations to kind of incorporate that swagger into this metal uh sound mixed with the pop sound as well. It's 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 just that, that's what makes it so special. And 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 Alexis for you as well, you know, just the songwriting part of it and just the overall recording part of it just kind of curious to know going back to the recording process what was it all like for you kind of stepping into an album like this uh i mean i had done a lot of studio work i had worked a lot as a session singer that's kind of how i paid my bills throughout college and um so i was really used to like being in a studio environment and and kind of take like taking a perspective uh with a song that wasn't necessarily coming from a place of like emotion and sort of raw, heartfelt 
singing, which is how I think a lot of people think of singing. Like, oh, you just open your mouth and like you just feel it and it comes out. And certainly that's a wonderful way to use your voice and to feel music. And I think our our songs now definitely have more of that kind of raw melodic delivery at times. But with treats, it was it was very kind of like sculptural and textural. And so um yeah, like and you know, we we would take a lot of tracks and we would just like layer over and we would do a lot of breathy deliveries and a lot of a lot of the shouting, we would have like low shouts and high shouts and like mid-voice shouts and softer shouts and more aggressive shouts. So it was really kind of piecemeal in that sense in the process. Um, you know, it was, it was very meticulous. And so I think, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Like I like that, the satisfaction of, you know, hearing something come together layer by layer. Um, and yeah, I mean, we had fun. We worked uh, with our buddy, Shane Stoneback and a lot of the vocals, as Derek mentioned, we had already recorded um, kind of at our various apartments in various forms. But then, you know, when we actually got into the studio and, and work with Shane, um, I would go back in that vocal booth, which was like in the back of this, like he, he like his studio was in this like um, it was like a storage building. And so it was like this big concrete room and I'd go in the back there and and just kind of, you know, close the door and be in my own little bubble. And mm. uh, <laughs> it was weird. Like, I definitely would get into some strange head spaces to kind of <laughs> like, it was very much like being a character, you know, we would call it sometimes like the dead baby doll or just like, um, but I, I love that challenge as a vocalist of like really taking direction and trying to use my voice. Obviously, it's an instrument, but like use it in that more instrumental way of like just really trying to be super, you know, fastidious and and like really get into the details of of, of the delivery. That w- w- I like, I really like the song "Kids." Um, for those like interludes where you where you're talking, is is that your voice talking when you're like speaking in between each one? Is is that? It's so funny that you mentioned "Kids" because I just found my old checkbook, and in that checkbook there are three checks made out to the three. They're now women, but they were my my fourth grade students at the time. Yeah, so it was Demi, Anna, and Ismar. That's and right. Yeah, Ismar. and yeah, Ismar. And we brought the three of them into the studio. And so a lot of that, like you know, like um, oh gosh, I can't even like pull, remember what they're saying like, right now. Forget my glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start <laughs> no. dancing. Yeah, yeah, and then there's like yeah. I'm gonna start dancing. Yeah, exactly. Like all that giggling. That's the three of them just like being. I think at that time they were like 11, like just being 11 year olds in the studio, yeah. just laughing and having fun. Um, but yeah, and then some of that stuff, you can sort of tell when it's me and when it's them. But yeah, that was like such a cool way to bring the two worlds together and have them. And then I think we went to like Chuck E. Cheese afterwards. <laughs> That's amazing. And I love, I totally, I forgot about that moment, like, because they were on the mic and they were just hanging out and we were just kind of on the talk back talking to them. They're like sometimes there was some direction, but a lot of times we'd be like, just hang out. We didn't say shoot the shit, obviously, because they were children. But I remember when whoever it was said, oh, my God, I'm going to start dancing. We all looked at each other like, oh, we got to snatch that and put that in the perfect spot. Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty funny, too, because like I feel like that whole inspiration kind of came from like when I was teaching, my kids had my phone number and they would like call me to like ask questions about homework. And I would get these like hilarious voicemails from from my kids. And Derek was like obsessed with them. Like I had this one student, Ivan, and he like sent me this message where he was just like coconuts and just like said that like said the word coconuts over and over again. Yeah, and so randomly. Derek was like. Yeah. And so Derek was like, yo, we got to get like some of your kids to come to the studio. And, and it happened. So it was pretty awesome. Little things like that to me 
fit into like just the imagery of the cover, right? Just the, the cheerleader thing, right? So I'm thinking about schooling and high school and just youth and all that stuff like that. So just hearing those voices on there, I thought that was so crazy and so cool to kind of give it that signature sound to me that all played a part of it. I just, I don't know. It was like little things like that just just really stood out to me about, about those records on top of everything else. So just to kind of get that backstory now, Thank you so much for that. That is that is truly phenomenal. Yeah, and now sticking to treats, just thinking about the impact, the aftermath of that album and just how it just like changed and evolved a lot of things for y'all. And I'm just kind of curious to know, what was that like? Because I remember hearing from an interview, y'all talked about how as a band of Slay Bells, even though you had your own personal experiences before you got here, touring and, and, and recording and whatnot. But I'm just curious to know, you guys talked about you guys got together with Slay Bells, released this record, and it just next thing you know it, you guys are hitting the road. They're going out there really, really far with this. You know, you become international sensations, you know, within that time frame. So I'm just kind of curious to know, how was that feeling for y'all, like going from zero to 100 like that once this came out? I mean, I could speak for obviously just myself here, but I had like my foot on the gas in every way, shape and form, like for the creative process. So I, I'm not even thinking about how treats, how people are responding to that because I'm obsessed with Reign of Terror at that point. Like the second treats came out or even before then, like we hit the road in March, I'm already like obsessing over the next record. I also had a lot of crazy stuff going on in my personal life, like life stuff, you know, people dying tragically and cancer and like all this shit happening all at once. So I was pretty shaken up, you know, I was not in a good place. And I think the only reason I survived that, and this is 100% the truth is because of Alexis. I mean, Alexis, if we didn't have this band and you weren't there, I, I probably would have died. So I was kind of in survival mode the whole time. And that led, that went all the way up through bitter rivals. And then with bitter rivals is when I finally kind of got my life back and started, you know, working on things. And so, yeah, those first few years to me are a blur of just work. It's like shows do it, you know, do a thousand phoners a day. And when I'm not doing that, I'm working on music. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't even have time to think about what was happening. It seemed like, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, that was my experience with it. So, I mean, it was incredible. But it was brutal, and I look back on it, and it's like these things happen, you know? It's just a crazy, crazy story um, that seems like while it's happening, you're like, there's no way this is my life. Like, this is something I, you see on TV um, because everything changed so drastically, so quickly. Um, yeah, it was, it was insane. That was the experience for me, insanity. Not to get all, like, it's cool. Like, I, it, it was a while ago now, and, you know, I'm cool. I'm in a better place. So I don't mean to bring the mood down, but it was just insane. Yeah. No, I mean, I think we were just recently reflecting on this, and I, like, I just wish I had been more present. I mean, and I'm, I'm like, a very sober person, so I don't mean, like, present in that sense. I just mean, like, I wish I was more aware of the gravity of like what we were going through and how unique of an experience it was and how quickly things were happening. Um, you know, I mean, I, when you're on tour that much, like you're just, you're just going day by day. Like we were in a van. I mean, we were doing things, we were driving all day, loading in, playing a show, getting back in the van, driving all day. Like it was, you know, touring is, is brutal in that sense, but, um, but we had a lot of fun, like, and you know, and yeah. obviously, you know, Derek was going through a lot of personal traumas, but like, all things considered, you know, we were able to surround ourselves with really great people, people that we still work with. Um, so we built like a lot of really intense friendships and saw a lot of amazing places and just 
you know, met a lot of great people. So it felt, um, you know, largely extremely positive um, at, you know, towards the end of that touring cycle. Like, it seems crazy to say now, but I'll never forget, we got off stage at uh, Bonnaroo and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just broke down and we actually canceled our our, um, set at Lollapalooza, which like, just this kind of gives me perspective as to like how young I was and how just like, inexperienced I was you know I feel like now I would have been like okay just like you know take a week off and get some rest and like go back and get it but like we were fucking spent you know excuse my language but like we were spent you know like um and it just yeah it just happened really fast (laughs) that's the thing when you're in it it's like like people always use the hurricane analogy you're like in the eye of the storm there's all this stuff happening around you but all you're worried about is like I wanted to stop at Taco Bell for lunch today and we had to go to Wendy's because we always get Taco Bell and I'm pissed because I don't like Wendy's. And anyway, we're late for load in. Come on. Like, that's what it's like. And and while you're having that moment, all these other people are hearing your record for the first time and your band is growing. But like, you're just pissed off because like, <laughs> yeah, like you didn't get what you wanted for lunch. Like it can be that. That's the minutia that makes up the experience of touring a record. And then, of course, you get on stage and have this incredible moment. But, yeah, I remember stepping off the stage for Bonnaroo as well. And we were both just like, yo, we got to go home. And, yeah, we went home and made Reign of Terror and, yeah, just tried to remember what life off tour was like. But, yeah, it's even though I had toured incredibly hard for Poison the Well, um, I, I agree. I was, I'm older than Alexis. Like I actually turned 40 yesterday. Um, but yeah, like the, the idea that we would cancel something now because we were a little tired is insane. Like we were just, I remember telling our booking agent, like I'm telling our manager, you just got to tell Sam, our booking agent at the time, we can't do Lollapalooza. And it's like, that's, that's crazy. But you know, you, you just, that was the moment we were in. It was hectic. You know what? And 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 you brought up something too, Derek, uh, that, that I do want to talk about is your second album because it, it's 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 unfortunate to hear that it was like that for you on a personal level and everything like that. But because that album to me, that's the record right there that I hold up very highly to the because you know, for me, there's just two albums out there that 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 ever made me want to play guitar. There, there's the Saint Vincent 2014 Saint Vincent self-titled album, right? Great. Maybe want to play guitar, and then this record right here. I, I never had any inkling to want to play guitar until I, like the 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 guitar riffs, everything. It was such a, a such a change from the head, the beats and the guitar playing to more of just the the guitar playing overtaking a little bit more so on this record. It's, it sounded like to me, and um, but to to hear the backstory, and I do remember seeing some interviews with both of y'all were doing about this album, about some of the more personal things that were happening that were just darker um and 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 you know just to hear that so i'm just kind of curious to know during that writing recording process what were the emotions uh going into that record for both of y'all uh on reign of terror yeah i mean first of all if you could see my face right now i'm smiling it's amazing that you picked up a guitar because of our record or one of the reasons so that's that's incredible um but yeah, like it's we we were doing an interview before this, and I I said that like I wish that the title "Reign of Terror" was just like something that I thought sounded cool, but that's what things felt like. And looking back on it now, and you know, having lived through it, it's um I guess I feel differently. But in the moment, I was trying to live. I was like literally, I was in survival mode, and my coping mechanism was work, the band, making records. And when I wasn't doing that, I really wasn't getting up to stuff that's very conducive to having to staying alive. Um, but that was my way of dealing with it. And I'm not proud of that to this day. I'm still trying to forgive myself for how I responded 
to, you know, the first real challenges in life. Shit's going to happen to you. People you love unconditionally are going to die. And it's your life is going to blow up at times, not necessarily in good ways. And how you face those challenges says a hell of a lot about you. And I don't like what I learned about myself in those moments. And again, like I've done a ton of work to become the type of person that can handle that type of stuff if if it ever you know happens again, which probably will. But and it wasn't just one thing. That was the the thing. It was like a bunch of stuff that was all went off at once, and it was like. The band was just one of those things. Um, so when I think about that record, I think about how grateful I am that I had something to focus on. You know, every day I got to go to the studio and make music I love with people I love. And that's Alexis and Shane Stoneback, who engineered those first three records with us. Um, and I love Reign of Terror. Like, there's a track called Never Say Die and DOA. The last two tracks on that record are two of my favorite Slay Bells tracks. Comeback Kid to me, I hear it. And even though it came from a dark place in my life, it's, you know, I don't know. It's, I think it's a beautiful record. And I, I mean, like I could also attack it and tell you what I don't like about it, but I'm not going to do that, man. It's like, there's no need. Um, so that was the experience, uh, drama. It was just, it was intense. feels like as fans, you know, just coming from a fan's perspective, like sometimes your favorite artist's work uh, that, that you hear from them, there's a there's that darker backstory to it. And it creates that level of, the, the drama creates the excitement in the music and, and the sound that you may enjoy. But at the same time, it does, you know, you think about the well-beings of, of the creatives behind that. And um, maybe for you, Alexis, you know, and this kind of goes with maybe some of the other records too that you all have done uh, currently. Just thinking about like when you're singing some of these songs that are more darker, right um you know what what is that like channeling that because if i'm understanding the relationship derek you're writing a lot of the lyrics to some of these songs and, and what have you and alexis yep. you're providing those melodies and those harmonies and just bringing it to life with your voice uh what's going through your mind as you're singing some of these records uh that that you know that they're coming from a real dark personal place from someone that is a, a good friend of yours a family member of yours someone that you truly respect and admire um what's, what's going through your mind um, yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like it's always my job as a singer, you know, and as a, as a part of the band to like, to kind of do that work that Derek's putting into it justice. And obviously, you know, it's just not going to be good music if there's a disconnect there, if it feels like the the voice and, and the lyric is, is not, you know, in lockstep, um, I mean, you know, I will say that, like, that the anguish that I think Derek had to go through to create a lot of that stuff was not necessarily, like, it, it's not like the whole recording experience was a downer. Like, we had no. a lot of fun. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I will say, like, we when we got off tour, um, I got my dog, Riz, and she was a puppy. And so we had, like, a puppy in the studio. I mean... When I think yeah. back on those days, like, my goodness, we're actually back to working with uh, Mom and Pop, and, and they were our label during that album. And, like, I mean, we weren't, like, living large, but, like, fuck, we got to, like, go to a recording studio every day all summer for, like, months. And, you know, we would bring Riz, my dog, and, like, we would just sit there and work with Shane. And, like, it was silly. We had a lot of fun together. Um you know, we were just like best friends getting to do what we loved in a room together. It was, it was pretty wild. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, when you're singing, you know, a song like DOA, which is one of my favorites, I know, I know Derek mentioned it, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a heavy track. And so, you know, I think, um, 
you just you just go in there and you just hope that like you know you're 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 matching the kind of intensity that Derek was creating with his with his production and and his instrumentation. But yeah, I mean the guitars on that record, you know, for sure, like they they're their own kind of, you know, voice. I mean, they just communicate so much. Um, so much emotion comes through and and so much intensity. So, But then now you think about the band, right? You have your next three projects, um, you know, that come out thereafter over the next years. There's Bitter Rivals, right? Very much. I love the the, the songwriting, the singing on that one. You know, just just uh, truly, truly amazing on that record. And then also you have Je- Jessica Rabbit and then Kit Khrushchev, which, you know, on that on that on that one, y'all have one of the favorite lyrics that I to this day. It's, you know, my dad, he went away real far away in a cloud break. My mom, now she's a saint on and saints. That's yeah. a beautiful, very, very well written and just very well sung. Just thank you. Uh, this everything about that. So during those periods, throughout these three records that you kind of like maybe um encapsulate them what was what was a common theme that you wanted your listeners your fans to take away from the evolution of the band on each one of those types of uh, projects well i mean i guess overall i would hope that and what i'm about to say is aspirational i'm not saying we're doing this but i would hope that people would be inspired and that i hope that there's something life affirming about it if it's good that's what my favorite songs do for me like, it's truly life-affirming. I cannot explain to you what happens to me when I hear the organ line fading in at the beginning of Faith, George Michael. Like, ever since I was eight or nine years old, when that came out, it just does something to me. To say nothing of the rest of the track, it just makes me, it fills me with joy and energy and truly makes me a better person and not in an abstract way. Like, it increases my love for humanity. That sounds maybe big, pretentious. I don't care. Like, that's what my favorite music does for me, and that's part of why I love it so much. Um, So best case scenario, that that's what our music does for people. And again, I'm not saying we're pulling any of that off. I have no idea. But man, if people could take anything from our music, hopefully it would be, yeah, a good feeling. You know, feel positive, to feel held, less alone. What, What all of our favorite music does for us. We feel understood, seen. It's like, it's... That what's why music is so beautiful and intoxicating in a good way. Um, so yeah, that whole period, all of it. But I can say this for all of it though. That's that's what I hope. That's what I'd like for people to take away. That hey man, this stuff makes me feel good, and that's worth something. And you know whatever it is, yeah, and it's something positive. I just want it to be a positive charge in the universe. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I mean, I think I think Derek and I have done a pretty good job of like staying curious, like staying curious about like each other and like our capabilities and and you know exploring new roles um whether as songwriters or as vocalists or as you know as producer guitarist like you know there's a lot of um i mean it's you know i wouldn't say those records in in themselves are like experimental but there was a lot of experimentation that was happening um there's a lot of like playfulness, I think, in those albums, you know, which definitely kind of comes off of, you know, sort of a, a different kind of heaviness um, coming out of rain. Um, but yeah, like a lot of curiosity about like what we were capable of, what direction the band was going to go in, what kind of stuff we wanted to play live, maybe the kind of stuff we wanted to write and perform that maybe didn't feel like a quote unquote sleigh bell song. Um, and, you know, I, I like that we, I like that we kind of deviated and, and explored because I think without that, we wouldn't have, you know, kind of come to the space we're in now, which feels like a really good, you know, well-rounded space for us to be in that, like, I feel like kind of 
checks a lot of the boxes that I want to check as like someone who's in sleigh bells. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, you know, there's a, a lot of, a lot of discovery during that period for sure. Yeah. I, I would totally second that. Like those, especially Jessica Rabbit and Kid Khrushchev, a lot of searching for an identity. And I can say on my behalf and I, sometimes this was a good thing and sometimes it wasn't like trying to like, what is this band now? What do we sound like now? And when I talk about what is the band, I'm not, I don't mean career stuff. I just mean creatively, like what should we make next? What can we make next? What can we pull off? You know, and there's a lack of focus that I hear in some of it that, you know, as a producer, I, I knew it at the time, like there's not, it's not that cohesive, but I felt like, maybe somewhat ridiculously, well, life isn't very cohesive. It's chaotic as hell. So maybe just let the record reflect that. Um, but ultimately, I, I'm, I, when I listen back, I don't think that that flattered it. I'm glad we got tracks like Ann Saints. I'm so happy you mentioned that because that's one of my favorite Sleigh Bell songs. And that for that song, I eliminated everything recognizable as Sleigh Bells with the exception of Alexis's voice. Like, there are no drums. There are no guitars. It's not loud. It's not like like I went as far away from our sound as possible in the name of leaving my comfort zone. And what Alexis said is true. Like having tried all that, it helped us to arrive where we are now, which I feel like with our new record with Texas feels incredibly, it feels focused. It's like, I feel like I know what this band is in making this record. We like, we knew, we knew what we are, what we were trying to do. And for the most part, we feel like we were successful in doing it just based on the the, the, the the songs themselves. Like, obviously, the record's not out. You know, who knows what the reception will be. But we know how we feel about where we're at now. And, yeah. um, you know, just just in mentioning Anne Saints again, because I know I said before, like, especially with the vocal approach to Treats, right, it was this like very kind of disruptive process of like breaking everything down and layering I remember when Derek sent me the instrumental to Anne Saints. I think we were in we Europe. Were, we were yeah. for Jules Holland. We yeah, were, and I was hotel. Yeah, and he sent me the instrumental and he sent me um he sent me the lyrics and a lot of times when Derek sends lyrics I'll kind of like assemble what I think are like the strongest parts, but this was just like this, you know, stream of consciousness just like, you know, from the first line to the to the last line. And I remember just like being on the bed in the hotel room and like I literally just like, I sang through the whole thing. Like it was just this, like this very, and that's kind of how the song is, right? Just like that, do, 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 it just like rolls. And so it was kind of the opposite of any sort of vocal approach that we'd ever had before, right? It was just this like start to finish, this vocal that just like comes out of you and it sounds extremely human um, because it's delivered in like the most human of all ways, right? Where like you start and the emotion builds and by the end, like, your voice is kind of breaking up. And um, and so like, that's never something we would have ever done, you know, in our previous, um, on those previous albums. And so, yeah, I think like, it, it was amazing to discover that that was a possibility for us. And it felt really good. Man, I'm telling you right now, beautiful just hearing that and just even the more time spent on just that rec uh, song and Saints, uh, definitely from a person who lost both his parents for me. I, just that that lyric, you know, when I heard that, I was walking from the Golden Voice office to catch the train downtown LA. I heard that lyric and it's just like, are y'all speaking to me right now? Like, it it was it was it just it just connected so well. So just again, like thank I say thank y'all for just for for that. Dude, when I hear those stories, I mean because I've been making music for so much of my life, but I feel first and foremost, like I am a fan of music. You know, I'm a music fan first and somebody who makes it second. So when I hear that, um, 
yeah, man, you just made my week. Like that's the whole, that's the point. Like I'm saying, somebody hears something and they feel understood. And that lyric is, yeah, it's, it's brutal. And, uh, but somehow it's like, it doesn't twist the knife. It, it, it like gives you a hug, you know, that's, that's at least that's the intention. And now, you know, I want to talk about that new record, Texas, right, that y'all have coming up. Because y'all have got me thinking, losing my mind, trying to decipher some of the things that I'm seeing. I watched the latest music video, Justine Goes Genesis, right? I watched the first video, Locust Lace, you know, and, and I'm just thinking about some of the lyrics about everything. There's a lot of wordplay and there's a lot of words that have a certain sound to them. So it's like, I feel like dynamite. I feel like dying tonight, right? Just the D words, just the way that it sounds and the way that it's being sung. You know, you know, I'm thinking about the, the latest chorus of uh, Justine Goes Genesis. I'm a uh, cavity comedy girl. I'm a concrete calendar girl. The, the, the spelling of Texas, the way that it is. Besides trying to trip up some people like me who are dyslexic, all right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so trying to get me in trouble right now, you know, get me fired over here. Go to voice. Uh, uh, can't do my job now because I've listened to this record too much. No, what do y'all want fans to learn going into this? How about that? Can can y'all share? What do y'all want fans to learn about the band coming for this record? I well, first again, the the, the thing that I hope the most is like always an ab- it's like an abstract idea or vague rather is a better word because I I can't I don't think for I don't wouldn't know how to get specific with it. So hopefully they they hear it. And it can be as simple as like, hey, it's a cool song. Or it can be like, yo, this song saved my life. Whatever it is, all I'm ever going to say is thank you. But like for lines like, I feel like dynamite, I feel like dying tonight, that for me is like Sleigh Bells in a nutshell. It's like, it's about contradictions. It's about counterpoint and dynamics. I feel like dynamite. That's a good thing, right? It's like the best thing in the world. I feel like dying tonight. That's like the worst thing in the world. And they're sandwiched right next to each other, sitting there and hearing it. To me, it just sounds like a perfect marriage. Um, but yeah, it's in, like there's an insane contrast that happens within a handful of syllables. And I love, I just like that. I, I feel, but now I'm patting myself on the back. Like I'm so, I'm embarrassed, but because that's my <laughs> lyric. But the way Alexis sings it is just with such joy and abandon, for lack of a better word. I know it sounds corny, but like she sounds like she's having the time of her life and she's singing about dying and I and like that's just what our band has always been about the sweet and the sour like you take the best and the worst things in life and you like shock them both and put them on steroids and have it be like cartoonish you know Slave Bells has always been about like cartoonish levels of fun and energy and also like on Reign of Terror like so dark that it's almost cartoonish you know it's like it's like a Looney Tunes version of the devil and I think that that is that's why I feel so good about this record because it feels so us and I'm so excited to be us right now, you know? And like, that's what I was saying where I feel like we have, like we know exactly what our band is and how to execute. And that's where I get take from those songs. Um, no, I love, I love listening to everything you had to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think vocally, especially like Justine and Locust, like they're like pretty sassy. <laughs> like there's a lot of like, you know, like you're like, what? Yeah, like I'm like, who? who's singing that like it's pretty like you know it's it's fun it's really fun I mean I think both of those songs like they they jump out of the speakers in a way that I'm not necessarily saying like you hear it and you're like yes I love this but like it it hits you and you have to process like what the heck is this music um and then before you like maybe you've just started to process and like you're on to you know this breakdown or this new part or this guitar part so um, yeah, there's like, there's a lot to those songs and I love them so much together. I remember 
listening to them early on and just being like, is this too weird? Like, is this, you know, like, <laughs> like what are, what are we doing? Um, but that's what I love about them. They're just like really uncompromising in that sense. And uh, yeah, and they just, I don't know, there's like a playfulness and a joy. I mean, it sounds cliche, but like, I don't know that we've really ever like released music in the summer before. And they feel like, like it feels there's something about this like album campaign, like it's coming out, like we just made a video and like the 100 degree heat, like there's like a playfulness to things. I mean, obviously, I know we're still in a pandemic and don't like I'm not crazy like that is like looming over me all the time. But like, there's like a joy about this music that is really, really exciting to me. I mean, I hell, I I was going so deep down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out the coding and the and it's the the maybe the the meanings of this album. I found an old picture on the Slay Bells Instagram account, December twenty second, two thousand sixteen. Derek, I believe this is you. You're holding on to an acoustic guitar. You got like a, a tie and a suit on. I believe this is you, my man. I could be completely wrong. Oh yeah, that's me. It's cool. Okay, I'm thinking like the the video for Locust Lace, right? You kind of have like this this southern look going on. I'm just like, are you kind of, are, are you guys like pulling back from old yearbook photos? The cover is an old yearbook photo of uh, Alexis. So yeah, I'm just kind of curious. Like everything, like is very vintage. It's, it's some 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 something about this one. Just seems like you look closer. It's like a uh, what's the show that I love so much? Twin Peaks. You look a little bit closer, mm, and there's a lot yeah. more going on in this mm-hmm. city than you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely David Lynch fans. You know, it's like there's no question. And yeah, that outfit from Locust Lace is actually an exact replica of an outfit that Elvis famously wore. And the reference for me there is that he's like one of the first celebrities to self-destruct right in front of us. Um, and there's the, the lyrics definitely, you know, there's some, they definitely deal with self-destruction, um, but uh, not just self-destruction, but it's, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, there's definitely references in the, in the video for Justin uh, Gogenesis to Reign of Terror. There's like the canteen, which was part of the artwork for Reign of Terror, which was my grandfather's canteen in World War II. The BMX bike um, that Alexis rode during the end of the line video. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Easter eggs in there. Like that's, I guess that's what they're called. You know, it's like, it's, it'll be fun. And, and, you know, a lot of the stuff is referenced in the lyrics. So it's some, it'll make a little more sense when the record comes out. But I just like that idea of it being like, I'm certainly not the first person to describe something as like onion-like, you know, you can just look at the first layer and be like, cool. And it hopefully it works that way. And then if you want to dig and peel, there's it gets richer and richer. And now coming up on my very last question, we talked about it a little bit. You are a band that just is on the road. The live performance is part of it. You know, I think of there's certain groups, there's like Metallica that I think about that just lives to play live. Their songs are made to be played live. There's bands like yourself, same thing. Your songs are meant to be played live. You guys have that live energy. So now when you think about just the history of you guys performing live, I think about those Coachella performances that y'all had, of course. You know, the 2010, 2011, and the two. 2014 one that I couldn't make it to, but nevertheless, you know, uh, so, so I'm kind of curious to know from your experiences when you're performing at shows like Coachella and when you're just hitting the stage in general, what's going through your, your mind, you know, as you're getting ready to go into to a performance? It's surreal for me, especially all three of those. I remember like they were yesterday. I mean, the first one was terrifying because I'm like, we had, we had no crew. It was me and Alexis and our manager driving around in a van. I mean, I'm up on stage with like, there's nothing on stage, just like an amp. And I remember we turned the drum fills, the drum side fills, like towards the audience. So it looked like we had more speakers. And I'm like changing nine volt batteries in my distortion pedal in front of thousands of people. 
Like, so I am like quote shaking in my boots. Then the next one, 2011 or whatever, I think it was, was that was the best one. I think like we had a solid crew with us. We were more confident. We had more fans. We had a nighttime slot. And I mean, I don't, it was glorious. It's surreal. The second you hit the stage for something like that, it's there, like there really is a transcendent moment by which I mean time kind of just goes by in a different way. And I don't even know how to describe it. Um, it just, it's time feels different when you're up there and then you get off and you're like, you get off the stage and you're like, what the fuck just happened? You know, and it's, you can't buy that experience. You can't, you know, like you earn it. Like you put out records and you build a fan base and you get up in a position like that. And um, you just know that whatever, even the fear and anxiety you might have, like it's all earned and you are lucky to have those feelings and you never know when it's going to end. So yeah, they were beautiful, man. I, it's it's interesting because like, you know, a lot of times shows can kind of blur together, but all of those three Coachella performances like stand out for such different reasons. I mean, what Derek said the first time we were just, you know, so inexperienced. And I remember vividly, I had given myself whiplash like two days before Coachella. Uh, we had played this show um in California and I had like straight up given myself whiplash uh and so I was like on like pain medication and then here we are playing this like daytime slot my face turned so red that like one of the press outlets wrote that I had a that raging sunburn. sunburn yeah they're like Kraus had a raging sunburn anyway so that was like that first year the second time yeah I think like Derek said like that whole tent was just the energy was amazing Katy Perry was like in the crowd which was super strange and awesome <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then that last one, I think that's when you, you know, when we did like the alternating uh, weekends. So we had like this awesome show down in Mexico City in between. And then there was a dust storm one of the nights. Yeah. And like it was it was super wild. I mean, and when we got on stage, like the amount of dust in my lungs, but like it was and it was just like it felt really like beautiful like you know you're in this desert and like the wind was just blowing it felt super dramatic so yeah I'll never forget all of those experiences and gosh like to play that festival that many times in such a short period like we're fully aware of how amazing that is and and we'd love to do it again yeah no, and just sticking to that 2014 one, you guys also were just on the same stage that Pharrell was performing on. Like, I'm surprised you didn't bump into Pharrell just as you were doing I the know. changeover. I remember there were a lot of fans too. Like, we had fans there, but there were, I mean, Pharrell is a global superstar, obviously. And I remember we there were, we played to a lot of Pharrell fans that year in the Dust Storm, which is, hey man, that's cool. Like, he earned that. And, um, but I'll never forget that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then, of course, you guys did uh, SSS Coachella, SS Coachella, uh, which is very oh, yeah. rare. Only a certain OGs <laughs> know about that one. I wasn't fortunate to be there, yep. but quite a few people from our team know uh, about that one. They shared great stories about y'all and just being there. Uh, shout out for the nail art. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Rhea, Rhea, Rhea Lopez holding it down. Rhea exactly. Lopez. Shout out Rhea Lopez. Slavos <laughs> family. <laughs> I can talk to y'all forever and hold up all your time, but I know y'all busy. So I'm going to let y'all get back to what y'all have been doing. But I just got to say, thank you so much for coming here to the Golden Voice podcast and just sharing these stories and just getting us the chance to learn more about y'all. You know, we have so much love for you here and just the history that y'all have with us. It truly means a lot. 
And we're so excited to see you continue to grow and this new record and everything that y'all doing. This is only the beginning of another decade of Sleigh Bells, another decade of just amazing music to come. So Derek, Alexis, thank you so much for the time. Thank you, Jarvis. Our pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Such a great episode and interview. I cannot say it enough. Alexis, Derek, thank you so much for just giving us a little bit of time here for the Golden Voice podcast and truly kicking us off right for this podcast here. It was truly an honor speaking with them. And, you know, some of my favorite parts throughout the interview was just listening to them reflect on their own albums now with this extra hindsight that they've had about their creative process and what they've been through and what they've learned. You know, just hearing those stories from all the way from the beginning with Treats to Rain and Tara to even, you know, working on the Kid Khrushchev EP project and just, you know, the intricacies of like what Derek was thinking about doing on a song like And Saints and just how he was stripping things away that was recognizable from the band. Definitely, you know, it's just, it's just great hearing that. I love hearing that creative process like that, especially when artists begin to reflect now on their entire journey, you know, after all these years and just thinking about where they are now versus how they started and just the things they learned along the way. So again, big shout out to Sleigh Bells. And of course, they have their brand new album, Texas, available now to stream on Apple Music, on Spotify, wherever you go and listen to music. Go ahead and check out their latest album, Texas. One of my favorite songs off that new album is Rosary. My goodness, that song is amazing. So phenomenal. Hey, you know what? Matter of fact, tell me what is your favorite song, okay? Because I would love to know what you really liked and enjoyed if you had a chance to check out that album. And if you didn't check out that album just yet, maybe if there's a past Sleigh Bells album that you truly enjoyed, I would love to know that as well. And of course, Sleigh Bells, they are on tour right now. And to get the latest info on that tour, you got to go to tornclean.com. That's tornclean.com to get all the information about their tour. I know they're in Texas right now. At the time of this episode dropping, they are playing in Austin, Texas. And if you listen to this episode in the future, they played in Austin, Texas at the time of this episode coming out right here on the 13th of October, 2021. And I'm pretty damn sure they killed it at that performance. All right. And then of course, Sleigh Bells, they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter. Just simply type in the word Sleigh Bells or at Sleigh Bells. Either way, you'll be able to find them on those social media platforms as well. And again, we just can't say it enough, man. Big shout out to Slay Bells 100%. Truly phenomenal band. One of my favorite bands. And I'm just honored that I got a chance to chop it up with them and speak with them. Now, before we close things out, I got to do some housekeeping over here, all right? Because it's October, one of my favorite months of the year. Not just because it's my birthday on October 12th. So I celebrated yesterday. Yes, your boy is 33 years old. We're going to keep on doing our thing over here, okay? Not only because it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I'm definitely thinking of everyone who's been affected by that or has a loved one who has been affected by that definitely is near to dear to me rest in peace to my mother not only because of that because also here for golden voice it is rocktober and you know rocktober we are going full throttle full gear with the amount of shows that we have we have so many shows that i can barely keep up with them and name them off the top of my head but just some of these shows that i'm thinking about is like man october 14th you got the rolling stones coming to sofi stadium which is super crazy right 
right? Phenomenal. Maybe October 20th, you got Machine Gun Kelly coming to the shrine. I mean, October 21st, Emotional Oranges at the Novo. God damn. I mean, so much is happening, but you know what? That's just me rambling off the top of my head. You need to go ahead and go to goldenvoice.com. That's goldenvoice.com or tap in with us on social media. Just simply type in Golden Voice or at Golden Voice on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram to catch up with all the action and all the excitement that's happening for our shows in California right here at our venues. And of course, it goes without saying, a big shout out to our podcast team. That's our executive producers, Amanda and Rhea. That's our marketing team, Lindsay, Kristen, and Maddie. That's our artwork and creative team, Saish and Trevor. That is our press team, Shay holding it down over there. And of course, you. That's right. You're part of the team as well. You just checking out this episode. You're part of the team. And if you're feeling this, we want to hear from you as well, okay? I'm considering you. Yeah, you. Not the world. Just you, all right? Part of our team right here. So go ahead, tap in with me. Let me know. You know, go ahead, if you don't mind, on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us that five-star review. Go ahead and send us some feedback and let us know what you're feeling about this episode, what you're hoping for future episodes. And hell, I just want to know what you're listening to, what you might be checking out as far as maybe a dope movie or an awesome book or something like that or a show that you saw yourself please let us know because we would love to go ahead and just hear your recommendations and just your feedback and just feel your energy right here we got to connect all right we're, we're we're in this on a team okay for real now of course we're going to keep things going here for the golden voice podcast because we're going to come back on october 20th with our next interview featuring the one and only cam girl but if you're excited about that one go ahead and let us know because i'm excited for the conversation because it was a really dope one with cam girl but again we're going to keep things rolling right here for the golden voice podcast if you don't know by now i am your host jarvis smith and i just can't say it enough thank you so much for tapping in with me i'm gonna see you next week all right so until then you stay good out there you stay well out there and go ahead and check out one of these shows it's rocktober let's do this golden voice podcast i'm out